It's a rare situation to find yourself in. She let me know. You know, there's a program, it's called Mercy House. You could go in there. But in order to be there, you had to state that you were a drug addict. Sometimes, when you're desperate, the quickest way to get help is to lie. From Rivet and Streetwise, this is where I stay. The deconstruction has begun. Time for me to fall apart. I'm Jesse Batend. This episode, after a childhood spent in adolescent treatment programs, Angelica begins adulthood, homeless, with a baby on the way, and what feels like no time to process what that really means. Episode two, Here Comes the Cat. And break apart. I'll break apart. After Angelica was released from the behavioral treatment program at 16, she came back to live with her mother. But she was still required to check in with a court-appointed child advocate, basically a social worker. We'll call her June, although that's not her name. It was at one of these visits with June that Angelica found out that she was pregnant. One of them asked me when I last had my menstrual cycle, and I was like, I don't remember. She's like, do you think you're pregnant? And I'm like, no. She's like, uh, we're doing a pregnancy test. I'm like, I don't need one. She's like, oh, we're going to do one anyways. So they gave me a pregnancy test. was like, okay, pee in this cup. We're going to do this. When it popped up, I was like, uh, no, this ain't true. June helped Angelica set up a doctor's visit where they did an ultrasound. It turned out she was already three months along. I just didn't believe it was true. <laughs> At the time, Angelica was 17, only a few months from turning 18 and living with her boyfriend. Location, the apartment near the mall. The apartment near the mall was the first place that Angelica chose to live. She and her boyfriend had moved in shortly after they started dating, and for the first time in her life, Angelica was making an active decision about where she slept each night. But now, with a baby on the way, Angelica and her boyfriend decided they wanted to get out of Des Moines. I was tired of Iowa, corn, farmland. I'm ready to go. I'm a wild child. Angelica's boyfriend had family in St. Louis, so they decided that's where they'd move. This meant that the apartment near the mall was also the first place that Angelica lived that she wasn't getting kicked out of, but choosing of her own free will to leave. We had a U-Haul. Already had packed up everything from the apartment. The day of the move, Angelica went to the mall to pick up her last check from the clothing store where she'd been working. Her boyfriend said he'd stay behind to pack up the last few odds and ends. And I told him, okay, well, I'll be right back. And everything was good. When she got to the mall, the manager was at lunch. I called him, told him, hey, it's a little bit delayed. I'm waiting for the manager to come back. She went to break. Eventually, the manager came back, handed Angelica her check. Got my check, went back to the house, and the U-Haul was gone. Do you know what's happened? I'm thinking he done went, got some gas or something, left the phone at the house. I went in the house, no phone, nothing was ringing, 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 nothing. It took like 
two or three days before he actually answered the phone. And he's like, I'm already in St. Louis. Stop calling me. And hung up. And that was it. Whoa. Yep. You had no idea that this was going to happen, right? Absolutely not. So he picked up the phone when you were at the mall mm-hmm. and you called him. Like, how long a drive is it from the mall back to your house? It had to be like 15, 20 minutes. Not too far. So do you think he'd been planning to do this all day? Oh, he had to have. He didn't make that decision in 15 minutes. Oh, no. Wow. It was like he had free um, assistance in packing. I'm like, that's what it was. It was like, instead of having two men in the truck, it was the truck, me and him. And I helped him pack to pretty much leave, thinking I, me being young, dumb and naive that this is who I'm going to be with. And we're going to be a big old happy family because I'm pregnant. So it took me several months afterwards to find out that he had moved officially to St. Louis and had three other kids up there. And Lord knows what else. I stopped even trying to do any more research on him. I didn't know nothing about these other kids. Never mentioned them. Never talked to them. None of that. And woke up with a surprise. In less than 24 hours, the first place that Angelica had chosen to call home had been snatched out from under her. So technically, I could have stayed in the apartment for a couple more days, but okay. without the electricity, because we had the electricity cut off, without furniture, without food, I'm yeah. asleep on the floor with nothing. No blanket, no covers, no electricity. No. For the first few nights, Angelica crashed on a friend's couch while she tried to figure out what to do. Did he take your stuff as well? When a he good stole part, majority of it. Really? Some of the stuff was in my car. Wow. So what do you what do you actually like have at this point? You've got a car. I have a car and some clothes. Music, pictures, like nope. don't that, have none of that. You didn't have it or it was taken? No, it was taken. Oh my god. I don't have like none family of that. photos and mm-hmm. whatever I had. Angelica says she still doesn't own any pictures of herself as a child. Did you know what your options were at that point? Like what what was your understanding of at that what time, I didn't. Angelica, like I suspect a lot of 17-year-olds, had no experience with the resources available to homeless people. In Iowa in 1988, the options were also quite a bit sparser than they are today. There were some crisis shelters. But those are the ones that are like overnight and you have to take your stuff with you. Those are the cot environments. These were usually big rooms in churches filled with cots. Definitely not a permanent solution. Neither was crashing with friends or in her car. Unsure where else to turn, Angelica decided to call her social worker, June. So we met up together, and it was me, her, and one of her friends or associates or whatever. Sure. And we just started talking. Together they came up with a plan. June had a way to get Angelica into a shelter that night. You know, there's a program, it's called Mercy House, you could go in there. But to do it, Angelica would have to lie. But you have to have addiction. Mercy House was an inpatient rehab program for pregnant women or soon-to-be mothers. In order to be there, you had to state that you were a drug addict. Did she coach you about what you would have to do? No, she just told me, you know, um, I had to have some kind of drug addictions. And they wouldn't have taken you if you didn't have a drug addiction, right? Right. Like, it wasn't a homeless shelter for pregnant women. It was a drug rehab clinic. Pretty much. 
So the person that recommended you go there mm -hmm. was this counselor mm -hmm. who knew that you had to be a drug addict mm -hmm. and also knew that you weren't a drug addict. Yep. Why did you think that was a good idea? Because that was the only option for me. The program at Mercy House wasn't intended to help a person in her situation. How could that be the best option Angelica had? And yet it probably was. While there are a lot of groups and programs intended to help homeless people, most of them focus on serving one specific group, maybe mental illness or domestic abuse. Sometimes it's super specific, like pregnant drug addicts in the case of Mercy House. In order to get into these programs, you have to meet certain criteria, and that can take time. And see, some people don't want to wait their turn. That's Carla Dudley, senior case manager of an outreach program. One part of Carla's job is to match people looking for services up with the right programs. So they're trying to find the most vulnerable people. As an example, people with diagnosed mental illness or victims of domestic abuse tend to get first priority. Either way, the wait can be long. So people often exaggerate their situation or outright lie to get placed faster. So just like Angelica, miss, you know, hey, I got this drug problem. Lying is risky, but so is waiting. So people lie. I don't even know if we own shelters, huh. especially for pregnant females after a certain age. They had centers for individuals, you know, that were young, minors and stuff like that. And then it was be homeless with everybody else. Yeah. And not get no assistance and being like the gymnasium where with the bunk beds or the cots right, and right. stuff like that. Just like low grade. Low just disaster here shelters, and coming basically. out. And you know, Iowa was a small town, you know, yeah. as hard as we like to say it's a city, the big city, but Des Moines is Des Moines. Your yeah. options are way less over there than anything else. But they have, you know, plenty of prisons and stuff in the suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> Location, the Mercy House. It reminded me of like an old church or whatever. There was an elevator. All the offices were on the main floor and there was an elevator and you go upstairs and it was just like a hallway full of rooms. In those rooms were her soon to be roommates, some new mothers, others yet to be, all of them addicts in various states of rehabilitation. It wasn't disgusting. I know there was mm -hmm. nuns there, so I see them every so often. So now with nuns practically in earshot, Angelica had to lie. Are you working on your story as you go there? Do you know what you're going to say? Like, are you nervous about that? No. When she arrived at Mercy House, Angelica met with a staff member who did an intake interview. What's your drug of choice? Marijuana. Well, how frequent do you use marijuana? Every day. You know, it was, it was so simple. Do you drink? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, how much do you drink? You know, well, I don't know. I drink a couple cocktails and stuff. Depends on with my friends. I take some shots. They never drug tested you? No. No drug testing. That's nuts. Did they just not care? I don't know. They didn't give me no drug tests. We were just supposed to do AA meetings and group sessions. Angelica got accepted. She moved what was left of her things into one of the rooms in the hallway. 
and tried to settle in as much as she could. She was used to rules and curfews, but now she was an adult, surrounded by a bunch of people she was keeping a secret from. Angelica mostly kept to herself. Although the staff at Mercy House didn't drug test her, she was required to go to Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous meetings. At first, it was exciting. My time to get out, so I didn't care. <laughs> How? Because you had curfew six o'clock. Six so, o'clock. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you know, AA meeting was at seven or eight, and you know, girls would have their little boyfriends come to the AA meetings and hang out, and yeah. you know, that was our time to be bad, I guess. And it's. <laughs> Still, AA was all about sharing, and that was definitely going to be a problem for someone who was lying. On her first day, Angelica pulled up a folding chair and watched as the people around her said their name, one by one, her turn coming closer and closer as each person spoke. I just said my name and sat down. She did the same thing the next time. You know, hi, my name is Angelica. You don't have to say I'm a drug addict, I'm an alcoholic. Gotcha. Or you could just say I'm an addict. Sure. And with that, I pass. And sit back down. Sure. And I'm, or I just want to listen today. And it's fine, you know. So for like three months, you're just I'm like, just going hey, bouncing. I'm Angelica oh. and I just want to listen. Just want to listen. While she was listening, something started to happen. Angelica had sold drugs from time to time in high school. And then back then it was pills. If you could put your hands on pills, that's what you were going to sell at school. But no one in her family had ever used She'd never actually seen the effects drugs had up close. People talk about how much they lost, and I'm in the back of the room thinking about, dang, these are the effects that I've caused selling them drugs yeah. and stuff. And I'm like, wow, you know that it's a habit or whatever, and you see functioning crackheads, I guess that's what you call them, mm -hmm. the ones that have the job Monday through Friday but party on the weekends. Right. You know, and you think about it, but then you don't ever think about after the after effects. You know, you leave that to it's quick money and they're coming to get it, so they know what, what they're leading up to. In those meetings, night after night, Angelica was forced to hear the stories. But seeing the back end of it of, okay, now this person has no teeth because their teeth done rotted out from whatever they started smoking. They have no family. You know, they done lost their jobs. They're, they've been homeless for the last two years. They can't kick the addiction. They've been in 12 different treatment centers. And you're like, oh, okay, that's because of me. Angelica was already in a dark place. Hearing these stories, she couldn't help but feel she'd contributed, even indirectly, to their suffering. Regardless if I actually sold to them or not, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, this is my fault. Hmm. Look at what you created. You're dividing everything. Even though they're getting high, this is your problem. The destruction, the destruction, the destruction. They're talking about me. And hmm. it just hits. something inside Angelica started to change. It's a trip to actually be able to think about how you've affected other people's life is always a trip. And I think that's why my personality is the way that it is now is because I always want to make sure I know my purpose in life is to help other people. How I help other people is for me to find out. You know what I'm saying? I just know that that was my purpose. So everything started rotating, changing. Do you still think about some of the people you met in that AA program? Mm -hmm. In the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, I wonder if one of these days I'm ever going to run into somebody 
that I did something to back then. Because I have a lot of people that be like, oh, I remember you. And I'm like, I don't remember you. Does that scare you? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> I'm like, even though I'm not doing anything bad now, it's still, I'm like, why do you know me? You know, and I have a large personality. So naturally people do remember me. Yeah. But I'm like, why do you remember me? Huh. You know, is it, did I meet you in prison and you're here in Chicago or or what it is? And I think some of that has to do with why I haven't gone to Iowa yeah. and stuff. I've never, I have not been in Des Moines. So tell me about meeting Jason for the first time. I was at one of the AA meetings and I came in. He was on the phone in the hallway and I walked right past him and I went to sit down. And then he came, he tried to say something to me in the hallway and I just ignored him. So I went, sat down and he came in shortly after me and sat two chairs down from me. And he kept trying to get my attention. And I'm like, shh, shh, you know, like, okay, later. You know, I don't want to be bothered so with trying you. to get your attention. He just, psst waving his hand and <laughs> talk to me girl and I'm like dude like shut up like by that time I've already been going for a good month and a half to do to two months and I'm like dude like shut up you what know you he got braids light skin you know kind of short and I'm like oh he cute but shut up I'm not on that you know and then I thought you know telling him uh hi I'm pregnant would back him up some and he's like so I'm like dude okay so then I started talking to him and he's like I'm like um so what's your situation he's like I just got out of prison I'm in a work release I have to come to these meetings and stuff and you know what's your situation I'm like well I'm pregnant I'm in Mercy House and you know we were hanging out and we were getting to know each other he would come pick me up from Mercy um, Center and stuff like that, and we'd hang out, and he'd bring me back, and everything was going good. Jason had gotten arrested for selling drugs, and as part of his probation, was required to go to those same AA meetings as Angelica. She wasn't sold on this pushy guy, but she was into him. I think what attracted me to him, well, physically, he's, he was attractive. Okay. But um, he was the one that never said no. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Like, if I wanted something, he always had money. He always had a car. He gave me a car. And just everything. Anything Angelica wanted, Jason seemed to be able to get. He started driving her to doctor's visits. He was there to hear the heartbeat. He did Lamaze with me because that was really? an option at Lutheran Hospital. And his family was really supportive. We'd hang out and he'd bring me back and everything was going good. One day, after Jason dropped Angelica off at Mercy House, one of the staff members pulled Angelica aside. They were like, are you talking to Jason? And I'm like, yes. And they're like, oh, okay. And I'm like, is that a problem? And then that's when they were like, well, him and his family sold all the females in there drugs at one time or another. And the staff there knew it. Suddenly, all of the money and gifts he'd been giving her made a lot more sense. Now everything's opening up of why he has the money, why he has the Cadillacs, why he's able to do the things that he was doing and stuff. The staff at Mercy House ended up giving Angelica an ultimatum. 
either break off all contact with Jason. Or I need you to move out in the next 72 hours. You basically had like 72 hours to, quote, leave him alone. What do you think they meant by leave him alone? Like, what were they asking you to do? And how do you, if you're part of this program that he's also a part of, how do you leave him alone and keep your Pretty much no longer speak to him. So you just go there and ignore him is what If I go to an AA meeting and he's there, I ignore him. Or I go, I leave and I tell staff, hey, I don't want to be here. He's here. Which is breaking confidentiality. It's crazy. But that's pretty much what they're asking me to they do. They didn't offer to like move you into a new program? No. Or... That's the only place they had. So why do you think the AA program allowed him to be there? Because they don't, there's no, no rules to AA. Anybody can come. They okay. welcome everybody. Even if you're like destructive and selling uh-huh. drugs to other people in the program. Oh, wow. Because there's no no sign no prerequisites no, no none like, of that there's no nobody guarding that aspect of it in a sense you don't know who's in that room with you but you know confidentiality is a big part of it Jason was part of a separate program the staff at Mercy House couldn't get him kicked out and they didn't have proof that he was breaking the law so they did something about the one thing they could control pretty much punishing me Angelica wasn't sure what to do. She left the room promising to think it over and rushed to the community phone in the common area to call Jason. So I told Jason, I'm like, look, I don't know what you and your family are into and stuff, but um, from over here on this end, they make you guys look like you're a mafia and stuff, just selling mad drugs. And he's like, you know, well, my family does sell drugs. And I'm like, okay, you could have told me this. And he's like, well, does it matter? I'm like, well, not anymore, because, you know, I like you. I'm like, well, it's either leave you alone or move out. So he's like, so you have 72 hours? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, we're going to cut that short. You got 24 hours. A little while later, Jason called back. He's like, I'm waiting for the um, landlord to call me back and stuff. I got you a two-bedroom apartment over here. So within 24 hours, he ended up getting me a two-bedroom apartment, bought me a Cadillac car. It was red. I remember that. And told me to get my stuff from over there. He's like, it's time for you to move out. Within 48 hours, I was already packing my stuff up and moving out of um, the center. Hmm. And it was done and over with. Like I said, at 18 years old, who wants to be there with a whole bunch of girls? And of course, I'm going with him. I'm not going to hang out here. <laughs> I'm like, hell yeah. I'm 18 years old. I'm about to get my own apartment oh, for sure. with this guy who wants to pay all my bills and got hell of money in his pocket. He's most definitely, I'm going, let's go. And he's talking about, like, I want to be the daddy. Okay, that's fine. Let's go. I decided to check in with Angelica's case manager, Carla, about this. I, you know, it, it can be just overwhelming and so much stimulation. And, and then she was dealing with her own mental health. So imagine if yeah. you're in a, a place and... Other people, you know, are mentally ill, and but they they're un they're not being treated. You know, that's just too much stimulation. So you have to remove yourself. She's also absolutely doing the thing you talked about earlier, which is lying about her circumstances in order to get care quicker, 
which means right. that she's not getting proper care. But in terms of like safety, this guy fulfills her needs a lot better than this than, shelter than or program did. Yep. I don't even think they were gonna find me housing. Do you think they were disappointed in your decision? I I don't think I really cared. They were like, bye. I signed a re- um, an exit form, and that was it. Never turned back. And that's when I moved to on Euclid. I can't remember the address. And that's when, like, I really, really got to see how involved the family is mm-hmm. with the whole selling of the drugs. So how did you rationalize the choice to go with Jason? Because I didn't want to be there. Yes, there are things in my life that I did that I'm not proud of. And if I could go back in time, I might adjust some of those things. But at the same time, if I would have adjusted those things, I wouldn't be who I am today. Caseworker Carla Dudley again. They have so many layers, you know, because that's the key keep you up off of them so that they can put you in the box like they did these other the, the sister the auntie the mama the boy like they trying to figure you out by pushing you away and when you don't go away and you respond differently then they kind of be like oh you do care other than that they it's just another layer and another layer and another layer i mean it's it's unbelievable you go in there feeling like you have to be tough instead of saying it's okay for me to be vulnerable and let them know that, hey, I'm in this situation and I need help. Yeah, instead of you're like doing a facade to everybody else. That feeling of poverty, you described it as a cat chasing you, like mm-hmm. as something like trying to hunt you down. Seeking you out in the dark of the woods. Right. And it's like a survival thing. Exactly. That's the scary thing. You don't know what it's going to do. You don't know if it's going to get you in your face. You don't know if it's just going to scratch you up a little bit. You don't know if it's going to rub against your leg and give you that comfort (laughs) and soothing. You don't know. And that's exactly the way it is. Your situation is you're being chased by this cat. Mm -hmm. Does Jason feel like a bigger cat? This guy who like has more money, more means like... He's defense, in, you know what I mean? Right. In a way, I could see which how he is, but he'd be like the cat that's rubbing his his body across your leg. You know, it's it's warm and it's comforting and it's so soft, but you still don't know. Not to mention, I mean, I think you liked him as a person, but I think you told me that like, you know, even with Jason, it was like you weren't in yeah. love with him. Like It was the fact that he was giving you all this great stuff. Mm -hmm. And like that situation, like that was a relationship that was born That was subconscious prostitution. Look, that's what it boils down to. He had something I wanted. It was either sexual activities. There was something that was attracting him to me. Angelica moved in with Jason. At first, things were comforting. But the downside to hanging with big cats, as Angelica would soon find out, 
is there's often a bigger one right around the corner. Next time on Where I Stay. Where I Stay is produced by Rivet and Streetwise. The show is hosted, reported, and produced by Jesse Batend. Streetwise is a weekly street publication that provides immediate income and employment opportunities to those experiencing homelessness. For more in-depth reporting and coverage, check out streetwise.org. If you enjoyed this show, there's a few things we'd ask of you. First, tell someone that, that you liked it. Second, leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. It's one of the most important things you can do when it comes to helping us spread the word. You can also learn more about Streetwise's mission at streetwise.org. And if you'd like to help support this kind of work, it's easier than ever. Text Streetwise, all one word, to 243725, or visit streetwise.org for more information. Special thanks to Angelica and everyone who spoke with me for this project. Our theme song is The Deconstruction by Eels. Check out their new album, Earth to Dora, wherever you get your music these days. For more about Angelica, the show, and in-depth reporting about the issues discussed, follow Streetwise on social media, or just pick up a copy. Once again, you can make a difference in the life of someone experiencing homelessness by texting Streetwise to 243725. You can also find that link in the show notes. Until next time, I'm Jesse Batend. Thank you for listening.